0: My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor
1: and privilege
0: to have been your president. We will be back in some form.
1: We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done, and here we are now.
0: Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely.
1: Never before in American history, Has there been an uprising like this? Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight.
0: Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters.
1: The 21st century is
0: going to be the American century because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's the Irishman in America from the Irishman Abroad podcast network. And as the US pledge to give even more military support to the Ukraine, President Biden openly refers to Putin as a war criminal. And Germany unveils a plan to fund the world's third biggest military. Are decisions being made with wide ranging ramifications too fast and loose at the moment? While Secretary of State Anthony Blinken warns of profound long term effects from Russia's invasion in Ukraine and pours cold water on the prospect of a diplomatic end to the conflict, what is the word in Washington? Is all of this just more posturing while innocent civilians continue to die if they do not flee the country? Today, our US correspondent, Sunday Business Post legend Marion McKeown, talks to me about the demands from both sides and whether Blinken's promise to reverse the sanctions if the war ends is genuine. But, Marian, you've been chasing your tail all week with Micheál Martin over there. How has that been?
1: Well... you know, it was, it, it, it's it been, it's one of these, uh, St. Patrick's Week in Washington, and I think that, you know, really that the, the Irish people, it's not just the Irish contingent who live in Washington, who are here for business, for finance, for politics, for diplomatics, um, whatever, who, who strike while the iron is hot, but everyone comes here in droves, and I cannot tell you the number of things that are on. You would literally need to, to have a gift of not just trilocation, but uh, whatever, fipple is there's such a word as fippled FI location, I'm going to say. But we had, of course, the, the Taoiseach Mihol Martin. And this, after last year, when it was a virtual event, uh, he was in Washington, D.C. this year to meet with the the uh, President Joe Biden face to face. And it was one of these things where all of the stops were being pulled out this year because there, for two reasons, there does seem to be a sense in America. And, you know, I think it's a bit premature, but we'll talk about this later, that COVID is over. It's gone. You know, everything's fine. And so there was going to be the the, the um, bilateral meeting face to face. There was the shamrock ceremony in the White House. Uh, President Biden went to the Speaker's um, lunch in Stratory Hall and gave a big address. And he was there last night with seven, or on, on Wednesday night, I beg your pardon, with 700 revelers at the Ireland Funds Gala, um, where he gave a keynote address, which was a big coup for Catherine Fottrell, Katrina Fottrell, who is the new Ireland Fund CEO. Um, and uh, but it, as I say, in the middle of all this, and we were all reminded that it was exactly two years ago when Leo Varadkar was there as Taoiseach, when in the middle of the same gala ball, Donald Trump announced, I'm stopping all flights, coming in from Europe. And everybody was going, what, what, what? Can we get home? Are we mm. all stuck here? What's going on? And so it I think there was a sense very much that we're done with COVID here. You in, in, uh, know, we, we've had enough. This was the feeling I got the whole way around Washington with all these events. But unfortunately, uh, COVID is not done with us. And I think the clearer signal of that was that Hall Martin, uh, who was attending the the Ireland Funds Gala, he was seated beside Nancy Pelosi. They were chatting when he received notifications that the gala immediately, and then as a result, all of his um, engagements that were supposed to happen on Thursday, which was Patrick's Day and and the main day, all had to be um really just they had to tear up the, the plan and start again, and and he had to resort to doing things virtually where he could, and postponing and cancelling things where he mm-hmm. couldn't. Let
0: me jump in there for a second because uh, you broke up slightly there. So he tests he tests positive, and uh, I I would imagine that people are you know there's a bit of panic. It, in in the place at the time. Uh, I mean, as you oh, say, absolutely. sitting next to Nancy Pelosi talking right into her face the way the way Irish politicians do. They only know how to lean into your ear and tell you the real story. <laughs> uh, I would well, imagine that she was panicking too.
1: Uh, you know that when something like this happens, because you do not want to be now. The thing is, it's 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 ridiculous because COVID. You know, it, it it's irrelevant who you get it from. When people, once somebody has COVID, they have COVID, and nobody infects anybody intentionally. Although we've seen in America, in particular, how reckless some people mm. have been and and reckless to prove a point. But this wasn't the case. Everyone was doing everything right. There were tests done. All the protocols were being followed. There was no reason to think that Mihol Martin he had tested a negative earlier that day that there that there was any any reason to suspect that he may have contracted covid but then it turned out that another member of the the irish delegation tested positive and then on the retests uh, he he came up positive so really he did the only thing he could do which was to leave the um, the National Building Museum immediately to get away from the other seven hundred people who were there, and and to head back to Blair House where he was staying. But now he's in a curious position because the obviously the the, the protocols here, the CDC guidance say that you can't. Uh, travel for 10 days uh, if you have COVID. So does the Taoiseach stay cooped up in Washington DC for 10 days in Mm. either the Irish Embassy or Blair House? I doubt they'll give it to him for 10 days or uh, somewhere else or will somebody, has I even got a private jet that they might be able to take (laughs) him home in? (laughs) This is what happens when you don't have an Air Force Uh, one of your own.
0: I have a good (laughs) idea where he picked it up. I mean he was over here in the UK uh, at the London Parade And to say they think it's all over, over here, is an understatement. I mean, Tina's witnessed, you know, a lot of people sending in their kids, knowing full well that they haven't tested the child and that the child's running a temperature. And people are just going, oh, well, you know, if we get it, it." you you know, that attitude is all over the place here. And it's not being stopped. Like, there isn't a whole load of, you know, re-information. But again, it does seem like a a distraction in the way what we're witnessing still taking place in ukraine we're going to talk about that now, but I want to say yep. that in the second half of my discussion with Marion, uh, we're going to begin kind of our countdown to the midterm elections, which astonishingly are only 235 <laughs> days away.
1: Oh, dear God. Well, <laughs> yes.
0: uh, it also uh, is, means that there's only 964 days until the next presidential and election. Who's counting. Who's counting? Well,
1: clearly you are, Charlotte.
0: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you're, really, you're all geared up. <laughs> I really want to talk about something that our listeners have mentioned a few times, and that's Kamala Harris. Uh, it's Of course, really been a turbulent first year for her. And now we're hearing of another high profile resignation from her office. Uh, We'll also dig into what exactly is happening there. Herschel Walker's claims that evolution is real and who Trump is considering for his running mate. That's all in the second half of our discussion over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. But let's talk about this US support to Ukraine. It's not the no fly zone they wanted. But it is substantial, Marion. What are we talking about when the Ukraine certainly can't match Russia tank for tank? This is $800 million worth of military technology.
1: Yeah, and equipment. Now, I should say, just putting this in context, Charlotte, that uh, I was up on Capitol Hill when when the speech was being made. At, at it was nine o'clock in the morning here uh, when when it was it was beamed through uh, to the Congress and and you know the the Congress and Senate, and you know it was such a heartfelt. Appeal from from the Ukrainian President from President Zelensky that you know the, the, your heart and, and your admiration and everything could not but go out to him, and he did appeal, and you know he 's such considering what must be an an advanced state of exhaustion and fatigue that he 's in at this stage and the enormous stress he 's under and and the fact that he literally doesn 't probably know from one Hour to the next, if he will be still alive, or if he will be still president. But he he really has um, come into his own as a formidable communicator, and he did tell the, um, the 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 American Congress, which again gave him a standing ovation, like the Canadian Congress. But you know, you can't take a standing ovation to the battlefield, basically is is what mm-hmm. I would say. But he did say, uh, "I have a need," which was a riff on the Martin Luther King speech of "I have a dream," and he he really has been saying this to America in so many different ways, but the same message look, you know, that that basically he, he appreciates their support, he appreciates the moral support, the cheering on, the declarations of support, but he needs real help. And the real help that he really wanted was a no-fly zone. Now, we spoke about that several times, Charlotte. That is not going to happen. And it's such a hard call, but I think on balance it is right that it, it shouldn't happen. And I don't know... But he must degree? know
0: that, right? You know, yeah. He must um, know that that's a step towards world yeah. war. I mean, he is a smart guy, as we keep saying, smart guy, but he keeps asking for this. Is some of that to be seen to be asking for it?
1: I think that if his tone with with um, during his address to the American Congress was, look, I still want this, but if you can't give me that, if you can't give me the no fly zone, then can you give me this, which is more weaponry, more more effective um, military grade weaponry, and he also wants these MiG twenty um, nine fighter jets that he wants the US still to to figure out a way to get some more military aircraft into Ukraine for the Ukrainian Air Force. So, you know, I, I think that, as I say, it, 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 he did still ask for the no fly zone. But to me, it sounded there's an old um, saying in diplomacy, like you don't ask for what you know you can't get. And what he sort of did was to say, well, OK, look, half a loaf is better than no bread, that he kind of realizes that they're never going to give him the no fly zone in the foreseeable future at any rate. But in the meantime, can they do the next best thing? Can America facilitate with, with fighter jets and, and also with more funding and more military aid? Now, earlier last week, there was a bill signed which gave 135 Billion dollars worth of humanitarian and military aid to Ukraine, and you know it was it was something that Congress and and it's the one thing that I've seen the Republicans and the Democrats, by and large, unite on. Apart from the you know the the the, the sort of far right wing nuts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Gaetz's, uh, that they really do want to support Ukraine, and they've been so united that they almost got out in front of the White House in in with this and and you know. With first of all in demanding the oil and gas embargo on, on Russian imports and then on this, this aid package. So what America has done now in you know, since we've spoken last is they have provided uh, 13, or they are providing 13.5 billion dollars in a mixture of military, humanitarian, and economic aid. Now, most of that military aid will go to the the Pentagon, which will then use it to basically um, replace uh, equipment that it is going to give to Ukraine in the meantime. So, and then um, shortly after. President Zelensky spoke about an hour or two later, President Biden spoke, and he then pledged during that speech, they were obviously holding something back, to give an additional $800 million worth of equipment to Zelensky. Now, this equipment will come in the form of, it's about 800 anti-aircraft uh, systems and about 9,000 of these shoulder-mounted anti-armour missile systems that apparently destroy tanks, about another 7,000 small arms, which in- would include guns, grenade launchers, things like that, and about 20 million rounds of ammunition and drones. And there will also be more javelin missiles, which apparently have been very effective, and they have been working against um, Russian tanks in particular, because most of the damage that's being done apparently to the Ukraine has we know is not so much from from russian aircraft as from long distance shelling they are just pounding the cities with all of these missiles that are just causing absolutely Devastating mm-hmm. damage, and then there's also another hundred drones which have been talked up a lot, yeah. but they're, they're 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 about the size. To me, they look they're about the size of an old flask that you'd put in your your school bag. But they can be taken into the field in a backpack. Now, as I say, the, some of the most people I've spoken to are. Ambivalent about their effectiveness, they say yes, they will explode on contact with with you know an item, and they will blow up a truck, or you know a sort of they couldn't have a Humvee maybe, but they're not that apparently effective against heavy artillery, against heavy tanks, things like that. But however, these they're known as switchblades, and um, you know I, I think that they they are being welcomed by the Ukrainians, but but the fact is that Ukraine is still hopelessly outgunned by Russia in every sense in terms of,
0: How is $800 million worth of uh, ammunition, javelin missiles, Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, not a declaration of war? I I, I mean, like, uh, no-fly zone, fine, but I just don't know if uh, this is just a decision that's been made too quickly, too rashly by the Biden administration and this talk of the drones in some ways is spin that it's like, oh, look, they're just they're just little kamikaze helicopter thingies that you put in the in your backpack when really he's landing a lot of guns and ammunition into this country. He's at the Ireland funds dinner calling the man a war criminal. How is this not viewed as you're really playing fast and loose here?
1: Well, certainly the rhetoric has escalated. And at the uh, Speaker's lunch on Capitol Hill, I was standing just a couple of feet away from him when when he called uh, Putin a murderous uh, dictator, I believe, and a pure thug. You know, so Biden's rhetoric has escalated noticeably over the past couple of days. And I don't know if it's in response to Zelensky's address to Congress and, and that he really wants to be seen to be on the side of democracy on the side of you know a, a, a pro democracy leader who's under such siege from Russia at the moment mm. but um I, I you know i i think that what i would assume and and um i Biden has some very, very smart people working on his foreign policy team. He has Jake Sullivan, who is really a terrifically smart guy, Anthony Blinken as well. And he has smart people in the Pentagon. Now, the Department of State and the Pentagon are not always on the same page. They never are in any administration, to be perfectly honest. And in this administration as well, they've tripped up over each other a couple of times. Anthony Blinken seemed to indicate at one point a week or two ago that America was considering providing these planes from Poland that they, they would be the conduit and they they would funnel them through from their from their base in, from the american base in in germany and then the defense secretary lloyd austin slapped that down immediately and said no way that's not happening and i think there are certain rules of engagement which are probably uh, i did speak to as somebody i've known from the pentagon for a long time and he did explain that there are certain things that are understood by military generals on both sides as to what can to what different levels of escalation, and apparently arming people, or arm, arming one side to a, a, a conflict, is not necessarily considered as it would seem to you or me to be really escalating it, and, and to be almost tantamount to, to saying, "Well, we're re-, you know we're 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 getting in here," uh, and so apparently the, it, it it still falls within the the requisite rules of engagement that it, it would not be seen as. Sufficiently escalatory to to trigger or to provoke Putin into hitting a NATO country, mm. but again nobody knows. And you know, I I find it absurd all the guessing games that people play about what's going on in Putin's head, etc. Nobody really knows how this is going to play out, and and that's just we're at a you know this remind do you I, I'm sure you remember two years ago, really almost to the day when people started realizing when the WHO declared that that covid was a pandemic when we started thinking my god what are we getting into here what is this thing i think we're at the same place now with ukraine and with and and russia that nobody really knows what way this is going to go that there could be something that is done accidentally or by design that is seen as escalatory by one side or the other by um, and and i i think that we're all feeling this anxiety about it's it's not None, as I say, the uncertainty of this and, and. Where we are at the moment in in what is really a treacherous and and such a lethal game of brinkmanship on one level, and yet you 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 know you recognise and you have to admire the stand that is being made by by the Western allies and and the fact that they are, uh, you know, it could be argued that had they been a little more proactive several years ago, we wouldn't be in this position. But we are where we are today, and and that they are standing up for for Ukraine in a way which. I I think really, you know you have to do, but I share your concerns, I share with you as it, like the margins of error are so tiny as to be non existent
0: It seemed like this is not measured language anymore. I no. felt like he was playing to the gallery a little bit. And I was like, you cannot do that because this this guy is all about messaging. If anything, you might be right. The Javelin missiles and Stinger anti-aircraft missiles mean very little to him. uh, Yeah. But certainly he doesn't like having his pants pulled down on national TV and being called all these things because, again, it affects the whole propaganda machine that he's got running over there. Speaking of measured language. How How is America messaging this COVID situation as it stands now? Because I've followed, as I mentioned it all the time, the vaccine mandate story in uh, New York, as it affects me as a sports fan. And the right. Kyrie Irving story with the Brooklyn Nets, who is a basketball Indeed. player who is only now able to play away games. If people aren't aware of this. It's like it's it's really unprecedented, but as a result, he's absolutely going crazy in these away games, scoring sixty points the other night, fifty in the first half. (laughs) And this is a sports chat in the middle of this, Marion. But it is it is uh, you know building an anticipation in New York for this vaccine mandate being lifted and what will happen when that happens. Yet they're seems to be a new variant that we're not really being told about numbers are through the roof again and a big threshold was crossed this week
1: you know the, the the messaging in the states at the moment i think is really confused and and I feel that the the biden administration has really lost its focus or has lost its its very clear messaging on this that it has become muddled. It's become muddled for a number of reasons. When I say muddled, I, I think muddled is probably the wrong word. It's become fainter. It's become much, much fainter. It's been dialed down and I, I think that it's it's hardly being heard now in the middle of all the other static, basically. You have a couple of things that happened. First of all, with with the um, vaccine mandates, that the federal mandates that Biden introduced, one was the, the uh, federal mandates were overturned by a lower court, but it was tokenism, most of the 3 million federal workers, about 95% were already vaccinated fully at that stage. But then the Supreme Court, um, as, as you may remember several weeks back, uh, refused struck down the federal executive order that Biden had issued, which stated that um, private companies with more than 100 employees had to get their, their um, employees vaccinated or they had to submit to weekly uh, COVID tests. Now, the, the Supreme Court struck that down so that kind of took the wind out sale on the vaccine mandates. Then you also had now, you reached a point where the numbers did start to drop. And we were seeing here in the States and they still at this moment as we're speaking, appear to be going down. But there are worrying signs that there may be a new surge on the way. As you say, another subvariant we've seen in China, it's apparently happening in Europe. If this is the case, it's only a matter of time before it comes to the States. But Americans at this stage, I'm not sure that they will will countenance, even if it does mean that the debts are going to spike again, any more restrictions. Just a couple of things here. Uh, the number of people who've gotten um, the third shot, the booster in America, is at only about 29%. Even though, this this is Democratic and Republican states, even though people have been told you've got to get the booster, you really need the booster, the messaging just isn't getting through. We're coming up to the number of excess deaths in America since the 1st of February 20- 2020, which was just about when when the pandemic arrived here, is at 1.1 million people. Yeah. Now we do know that as of, as of now, around 900, we're we're as we've mentioned before, we're coming towards this million figure officially. But it, it, it's widely recognised here by by all of the people I've spoken to who are working in healthcare and who are working in in the various um, the cBCs etc. That you look at the excess death figure, as I say, that's at one point. 0.1 million over the last 2 years now they reckon that uh, there are about hundred about 975,000 death certs to say in America, this person died from COVID. But about another 150,000 say things like pneumonia, influenza. And these were certs that were issued before people really, before you could do COVID tests in many cases, or before doctors really had a handle on it and knew what to look for and knew what the symptoms were. And then, of course, in some case, states, you had governors, for political reasons, who were trying to keep down the number of official COVID deaths and who were quite happy to have it classified as something else, as other than COVID directly. So I I think not only have we reached this um, million mark in America of a million dead people, I think we've passed it. And and the CDC has certainly said, like, it's 1.1 million, as I say excess deaths. It's a shocking figure. But America just seems to be in some way, I don't know if it just can't get its arms around the scale of the deaths, the number of people that have been lost. You have about one statistic that breaks my heart is that you have about 200,000 young children. And a lot of these children come from Disadvantaged and minority communities who have lost a parent—they've lost a parent our primary carer. So that's two hundred thousand children, as I say, who are already most of them come, coming from, you know, the children of first responders, the children of grocery grocery um, store workers, of farm and agricultural workers, uh, and they they have lost a parent. But America does not seem to be—I don't know if it's you know there if it's the old thing where you can, after 9-11, you had around 3,000 deaths. They took place in one day. America could handle that. It could deal with that figure. It could grieve. And they could, it was a sudden impact. It was, Mm. but with this, because it's ongoing, it's two years, there's a weariness. There's a fatigue. And there's also, I think, a sort of a denial. And of course, this is so political where Even in states like Alabama, Mississippi, which have the highest deaths per capita, Florida, all these states, a lot of the people who live in these states are still denying that there is a pandemic. They believe that it's some kind of a hoax, that it's a democratic ready-up, that the vaccines are all about government control. So even in the places where the states are, where deaths are the most, as I say, the highest rates per capita, they are the very states where skepticism about the efficiency of vaccines and scepticism about the whole coronavirus pandemic is at its highest. Now You still have an uptake, a vaccine uptake rate of about 51 percent in Mississippi, which has more deaths than any other state in America from COVID per capita. Now, obviously, the two are related. In uh, Vermont, for example, about um, more than 80 percent of people have been fully vaccinated. They've got a very high booster rate and they have the lowest number of deaths per capita of any state in America. Just to give you a comparison off the top of my head, because I was looking at these figures earlier in Mississippi, it's 417 or 18 per 100,000 deaths. In Vermont, it's about 96. So it's about, it's, it's around, it's less than a quarter of the, of the deaths are happening in Vermont per capita that are happening in Mississippi. Wow. They're both small states with relatively small populations. There's no reason that um, it should be affected that badly. And in rural states, you could argue that COVID should have less of a grip because so many people live, uh, they're not cramped in at the same level of population density as in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, etc. And yet in in these states which are largely rural and small town, COVID has really got a deadly grip and it hasn't lessened that grip yet. So as I say, here in America, it's it's um, people just seem to be at a point, like, like you said, that they're done with being careful. Mm. In, they're just they're done with yep. it. They're, they're They've are run out, out of the up. energy yeah. uh,
0: needed yeah. to deal with it. Uh, we've so much more to get through. As I said, uh, another big resignation in Kamala Harris's office. What the hell is going on there? It's not like I, I don't understand what's taking place. I want to talk about Herschel Walker. Uh, <laughs> wondering why we still have apes if evolution is true. That has to get a, a little moment of our time. But I do want to talk, even though. Donald Trump has not officially announced he is running in 2024 on this Cheltenham week. It's a pretty safe bet now that he will. I think, you're, you're, you're feeling like gambling. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think we, we need to talk about who that running mate might be, because I think, again, it's a safe bet that it won't be Mike Pence. Come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. That's the only way to hear the second half of my conversation with Marion each and every week. Sign up to support the creation of this ad-free, listener-led, crowdfunded podcast that you know as an Irishman abroad. It takes a few seconds, couple of clicks, and then you you're in with full access to every single episode ever released, including Marion's US scandal series that everybody loved so much, including myself. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America.
1: A lot of people live who live would on. probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You
0: encourage espionage against our people. You condemn.